everybody. Happy New Year. New decade. New <laughs> us. Same show. We're just going to talk about sports. Welcome to the 61st episode of In The Zone. Here with Anthony Piniello, Chris Martelli, and we got a special guest today, all the way in uh, Hoopville, Giselle. Thanks for having me, boys. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, buddy? How are you feeling today? I'm doing great. It's a new year, 2020. Looking forward to more memories and having some fun. Yeah, well, let's let's start this list off then, eh? Top five raps of this decade. We saw the raps just come off a championship win. And in my lifetime, I actually never thought that would happen. I mean, uh, remember, we started the decade pretty rough, actually. 2010, Chris Bosh, that guy. He uh, made the Miami Heat become the heels of the NBA, and uh, they won a couple rings. Uh, it's unfortunate what happened with Chris Bosh, though, at the end of his career, you know, with the blood clots and all that. But it seems as as soon as this one guy that we're going to mention later in the video or in the podcast, um, 2013 on was pretty uh, pretty nice for the Raptors. We were, a, we were a winning team for most of the decade, but we're going to kick this one off with uh, top five Raptors. But obviously, we always start these lists with honorable mentions, and I'm going to kick this one off with Anthony Pinello. Uh, who else? We've heard some funny names last week with Kuleman and Lupel, and uh, it, the trend's going to continue. We're going to hear some funny names, so kick this one off. I got a very similar vibe, so it should be a very similar video. Yeah, honorable mentions. I got four names here. You were saying before we went on, I got Jose Calderon. Played the first three years of the decade, so don't fucking laugh, Chris. <laughs> Next, Amir Johnson. Do not look at his stats, specifically a defensive player. Spend an underrated six years with this team, which when you look back on the last 10 years, every other year someone's out the door. So for him to stay that long is awesome. And just for fun, I threw in Van Fleet and Siakam because they're going to kick off the start of next decade. Much like Matthews and Marner, I didn't want to throw them into that list, so I thought I'd give him a shout in honorable mentions. Having said that, I'm going to go back on that comment immediately because at number five, Serge Ibaka. I think uh, when you look back on his tenure, the last 10 years, this is a very important player for the Raps to get over the hump into getting to the finals, first time in their history. Um, coming off the bench, getting those matchups, especially with Gasol in the starting lineup, I think Serge, this is the best fit of his career. Absolutely. And when you look back on the four years, I think very popular player is going to go down as one of the better Raptors in the last 10 years. So I'm giving him some love at number five kick off my honorable mentions i got one guy who became a legend an iconic figure on this team bruno caboclo as an honorable mention (laughs) the raptors 905 legend started off that team over there and he was always two years away from being two years away and then he was four years away and then after he just never was in the league and the raptors cut their ties so he's one of my honorable mentions andrea bargnani primo pasta himself honorable mention because Masai traded him when he was at the peak of his trade value to the Knicks. They got some picks back. One of those picks ended up being Jakob Pertl, and they used Jakob Pertl to trade for Kawhi. So you can say at the end of the day, Andrea Bargnani got his Kawhi Leonard. So those are my two honorable mentions. Number five for me, Terrence Ross. He's the boss on the slam dunk court. Got a slam dunk championship under his belt, and then he won. He was part of the East team that won the slam dunk contest. Dropped 51 game. Just, if he was more consistent, this guy would be a perennial all-star. It's a shame he's not, even now in Orlando. But for this decade, he provided some entertaining moments, even in sports marketing. 
back in Brissani <laughs> when we went down there. Was coming off uh, one of the slam dunk contest wins and we provided some fun. So Terrence Ross number five. Uh, those were amazing lists. Uh, so my honorable mentions again. I'm gonna kind of go with Jose Calderon. He's one of mine. Uh, then again, T. Ross was again another one of my honorable mentions. Uh, Amir Johnson. Really want to throw him out there. I feel he gets kind of they kind of forget about him in Raptors history. Again, that guy, pure gamer. Wish we still had him. I love seeing him seeing him on the court diving for those basketballs. Um, and again, Freddie. Freddie, awesome, awesome guy, clutch. Uh, can I throw Masai in there? As my, can I do that? You yeah. can, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, again, I everyone knows he's made unbelievable trades. Not only the Kawhi deal, this what kind of kickstarted this whole transition, I guess, in Raptors history was the Sacramento Kings deal. We know all about that, and not making that Kyle Lowry deal uh, to the New York Knicks. Sorry, sorry, Knicks. Sorry, Gary Forbes, a <laughs> <Yeah>. legend. <laughs> Uh, but for my number five, again, guys, I go by titles. I really value them. I'm going with Siakam on this one. Um, and again, uh, just some guy who just drafted late in the first round, and we've seen him grow every single year. Uh, again, if Kawhi wasn't there last year, we could have seen him at this 20, uh, 20 points per game pace early on. But you know what? I think he needed that extra year just to kind of develop, learn from a guy like Kawhi, and again, uh, really integral piece for uh, our championship run. That, that those are uh, it's a great way to start. Um, none of you guys have mentioned Grievous Vasquez, the guy that does the little shimmy. You know, he's he he was pretty fun. Um, no, that, that's just that's a joke. I'm I'm not being serious yeah, that at nice all. Buzzer beater. He did it. He's like I yeah. I don't I don't really like you guys said most of the names. Amir Johnson's a guy that a lot of people forget. Um, you know, there there were a lot of integral pieces the last decade, but for me, the one that stands out, it's uh, it's pretty funny to say, but yeah, Jose Calderon. I, I at first, like I, when I was doing the list, I'm like, okay, like, I can't put him in the top five because there's much better Raptor players over the last decade. But you go from what he did, and just the love that he that the fans just they just love Jose Calderon. I think it was. Um, beginning of the season he was in the building and he just got a standing ovation and like just he became a part of the culture at a time where being a Raptor wasn't the greatest and Jose Calderon guys like Andrea Bargnani they kind of made seeing the Raptors you know watching the Raptors you know that was a little more European you know they spiced it up a bit they made it a little more fun but uh I really don't have a lot to say about the honorable mentions. My number five, it was pretty tough. It was be- it was uh, between Serge Ibaka, again, same list as this guy, and we haven't even mentioned this guy's name yet. He got drafted 2011, fifth overall, Jonas Valachunas. I go by how long he's been on the team. 2011 got drafted. He just left 2000 and, uh, 2019, here for seven seasons. You know, tr- he, he wasn't the greatest shooter. But what he did, he made that position fun again. He, he gave us kind of that hope after Bosch left. It's like, oh, shit, we really don't have a center. JV gets drafted. Yes, there were other guys in that draft that went after him that are superstars. But, you know, at that time, we needed that position. And, um, you know, JV, for me, he was an absolute stud. Um, you know, the thing that I love most about him was at a time when three-point shooting for centers wasn't as popular, 
he tried doing it, even though he absolutely couldn't shoot a three to save his life. I know his every time he runs back, Pinello would laugh. You know, he could he could he couldn't run that he couldn't run that fast, but you know, he was a very good offensive center um, at a time where three pointers again they 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 weren't as important, but now they're important. He's really changed his game. JV for me is number five. Is it back to me? Oh yeah. Alrighty, number four, Jonas Valanciunas. Not a not a whole lot to touch on that. The first thing in my notes here is not a perfect player. So you were thinking like you soon you were saying running back to the court and started laughing. That's that's the first thing I think of. But yeah, uh, to me, I don't know if this is going too far, but I feel like he's a polarizing player here because he's been here for eight years, a very long time during a time when being a Raptor was not the best time. Like you were just saying, he averaged around double double numbers at a position we desperately needed. There's obviously more to his game, still things to figure out. We saw in Memphis over the last year, he's averaging career highs in multiple categories. So, you know, we'll see what he's got left. But uh, I loved JV when his time with the Raptors. You got to give him some love here. Number four. Yeah, number four, Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, I remember when he got drafted, everybody wanted Kemba Walker, the point guard. But the Raptors were trying to get Steve Nash at the time. This is... uh, a dated list. <laughs> so uh, they got Valanchunas. And ever since then, his first game against, I remember the Spurs and Tim Duncan was having trouble with them. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this guy's a player. Uh, they even to the point where they turned down a trade of James Harden for Jonas Valanchunas. And that was a thing. So Jonas Valanchunas, superstar, could have been if he uh, just developed that shooting game that a lot of centers are doing right now. So did a lot early on in the decade, was a player coming in. So I was thinking of him and Siakam, but Siakam, when he came in, he had some struggles, was in and out of the lineup, went down to the 905. So Valentunas's role from the start to end, he's at my number four. Uh, so I guess I'll kind of finish this off again. Jonas Valentunas <laughs> at number four. Uh, just somebody who came in right in the beginning who did not uh, – know the game of basketball that that well he still had a lot to learn i don't know if anybody remembers the quran butler steal at the end there when he tricked Jonas. again just shows he had a lot to learn at that point just about the nba in general but i feel like he you know he grew within the organization and uh again he wasn't the best shooter but i kind of respect about how he tried to develop that right again he then they got surge which was an amazing pick at number five there pinello pivotal piece in that championship run yes buddy um again somebody who just bought in right just they told him what to do he tried to make those threes again playing up playing with surge as well that's a tough transition especially right uh and we're talking about the greatest raptors we got to talk about loyalty did he want to get traded definitely not so again that loyalty is there again we said so much stuff so again just bringing the bringing up the loyalty (laughs) again a double double guy for sure um, and that's some guy you can definitely use on your team. Yes, you would have said number four. Another another thing that was kind of underrated with JV was his free throw percentage. It was always higher yeah. than most centers in the league. Like you have a 100%. guy like a Drummond shooting like 50%, and then you have a guy like JV. Like, for example, there were times DeRozan at the line wasn't the greatest. He would shoot, what was it, like early in his career it was around, what, like 71%, whereas JV would come in you'd shoot around like 80% consistently from the free throw line. So that's a, that's an underrated statistic for a center at that time. So JV, I'm happy he all made our list. That's that's good. <laughs> yeah. Number four is Spicy P. 
Um, now, again, like like what Giselli said, he probably would have averaged 20 last year if Kawhi was not on the team. I feel like he would have maybe – he probably would have been the second option if DeMar DeRozan was still there. But I'm not going to lie. DeMar DeRozan getting traded might have been the best thing for Pascal Siakam. Um, it made him realize how great he can be. He went late in the draft – that already was momentum. That was motivation for him. You know, he, he got drafted really late. A lot of people said, oh, I think he was a senior in Mexico State. So everyone's like, okay, this guy, we'll see what he can do. Again, like what Alino said, he came right in the system. Wasn't the, he, he didn't have the greatest star. You know, he got sent down to 905, but, you know, he honed his skills. He won the MVP down there. And then, of course, he just... He didn't look back, and um, you know his work ethic is among one of the best. I, I actually had the pleasure to, to meet uh, McGlore at one of these uh, marketing gals that I went to, and the one thing that he said about the championship Raptor team was Siakam's his stamina was just – he never ran out of gas, and he was one of those guys that was always energetic in the gym. He was always the guy that wanted to improve, just like Kawhi Leonard. He was one of the first guys there as well. And yeah, we're going to be talking about Pascal Siakam, the next decades list. He might be number one. Um, for now, you know, he won most improved player last year. He might win it again this year. It went up around six, seven points per game. We'll see how he does when he comes back from injury. But right now, his legacy is just starting out. This guy's going to be a star. Number four for me. Number three. Here we go. I got DeMar DeRozan. And everyone gets kind of lost because of all the Kawhi stuff and saying trading this guy was the best thing ever and everyone gets kind of lost of what DeMar really did in Toronto. He embodied what being a Raptor is. You mentioned loyalty with JV. This is a guy that would have died in Toronto. He spent nine years here. We drafted him 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a four-time All-Star. He averaged 20 points a game the last five years with us. For a, the longest time, this was DeMar DeRozan's team. So um, it didn't really end all that well for him specifically, but... Um, you know, DeMar DeRozan, uh, one of the greatest Raptors of all time, definitely deserves to get some love. That's all I'm going to say. I'll let you guys carry it away from there. So he's my number three. Yeah, my number three, Kyle Lowry. Uh, when they traded for him, there was a big surprise. You're like, okay, we missed on Steve Nash, like I mentioned before. So he's plan B. How's he going to gel with this team? They had every intention of trading under the Knicks. Then they held off on that. They went on a run. He was a big part of that. Um, from the point changing everything the way the Raptors played, the chemistry he had with his players, the defensive end, how he just sacrifices his body, and then the championship. So for me, Kyle Lowry, number three. Uh, for me, kind of just to piggyback on Pinello's idea there, DeMar DeRozan at number three. Everyone knows my thoughts on his defense and three-point shooting. Uh, could be improved. Although, again, like Pinello said, one of the best Raptors in history, uh, definitely in terms of scoring, you want the ball, uh, somebody at the end of the fourth, he's your guy. I just kind of remember, I always go back to these little moments here, the Orlando buzzer beater. And that's when he was just starting to prove to everybody how much of a good score he was in the NBA and who the Raptors were, right? Also, going back to our first, you know, series in that transition, the Brooklyn series. Him and Lowry, I don't even think we, they went to a game seven in that series. I don't think we get there without DeMar. So again, he kind of just kind of kickstarted this run, long run that we've had, still going on right now. Unfortunately, he wasn't here for the title. It, well, because of him, we kind of won the title uh, with that trade. Uh, although 
you can't take away what he did for us before. Uh, we haven't had a lot of players make All-NBA teams. He made an All-NBA second team, to throw it out there. Um, so again, a player that's going to definitely go down in Raptors history should have his number retired by uh, the end of his career. Yeah, uh, number three is also DeMar for me. Uh, 27.3 points per game in 2015. That's one of the highest totals that a Raptors ever done. Yeah, you can argue, you know, he played ISO ball for most of his career in Toronto, but he was the general. He was the guy that would go on the floor and he'd be like, listen, I don't care how much time's left. You got to pass it to DeMar DeRozan. That was even, that was Dwayne Casey's mentality as well. I know that DeRozan and Casey, they had that really close-knit relationship. It's a shame what happened with DeMar DeRozan. I have his jersey upstairs. You know, he's, he's going to go down as one of the best raps of all time. Again, he did assist us in winning the chip. Um, at, at the end of the day, the NBA is a business, and uh, it sucks what happened with him. I know he really took it hard. He was depressed for a bit, and, and I'm, I'm glad, you know, he's out of that dark hole. But DeMar DeRozan, what he did for this team, he just made the culture that much better. 2009, again, I will bring up those years because they were not good times for Raptor fans. Even for me, I remember I started watching basketball very young. I remember watching it with Vince Carter with, you know, um, Stoudemire was there. There were a lot of other guys. And of course, you know, you go a little more down the years like Villanueva and all those other guys. But man, DeMar DeRozan getting drafted in 09 and then literally looking at the team and it's like, okay, I got to work with this for now. And then as soon as his game just went up, the whole Toronto. Now, I'm not talking about the Raptors now. I'm talking about Toronto as a city. The culture just changed. He made the, he made Toronto his own culture. And when you look at, at least when I think of the Toronto Raptors in my teams, I'm going to think of DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. And what DeMar DeRozan did for this city and his loyalty, you can't put him outside the top three Raptors of all time because his loyalty to me, that's just number one. We all know in this day and age, loyalty in the NBA is almost non-existent. And a guy like DeMar DeRozan, that's a thumbs up for me any day. He's number three. Number two, Kawhi Leonard. Played 60 games in the regular season with us. No one gives a shit. Let's get to the playoffs. <laughs> uh, you know, you have that iconic shot against the 76ers. Raptors fans will remember that forever. They go down 2-0 uh, against the Bucks and then come back four straight to sweep. And the, the guy really, when you look back on it, one year, it can be the greatest year of any NBA player in history. Uh, unbelievable. He's going to go down as an icon in the city. The parade was surreal. I was there. It was fucking exhilarating. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever experience anything like that again. Kawhi Leonard, number two. Number two, DeMar DeRozan. And uh, I have him over Lowry because he was drafted by the Raptors. And uh, yeah. he signified that this was a rebuild because they were already thinking in their mind, okay, Bosch isn't going to stay. It's going to dip. So DeMar's there, young rookie, sophomore in the league, uh, second year in. He's already taking over the team. And everything he did after that led to them winning all those games, playoff rounds, big part of going to the East Final. And uh, just re-signing. When he was a free agent, his contract was coming up, and they were saying, okay, LA's out there. He didn't even entertain, take meetings with any team. He just said, here's the contract, talk with the Raptors, and that's all. So DeMar DeRozan, number two. Uh, for me, I have Kawhi Leonard, number two. What can I say? Uh, we don't win the title without him, obviously. Again, we were a serious team before that. Uh, but now with Kawhi, we were legitimate finals contenders. And it wasn't even a question. Again, just bring that hype to the city. Uh, and again, we can talk about championships 
stuff like that. But going forward, uh, he just taught the younger guys the work ethic. I, th I think that's more important now at least, right? I don't know if this team's going to win this year, but in terms of winning and the work ethic, Siakam, who do you learn from? Kawhi. Freddie. He's clutched this and that, but you know he needs to learn how to win in the playoffs. Again, kind of just that after effect, right, of helping the younger guys as well. Even Lowry, too. We know his troubles in the playoffs before last year. Again, just Kawhi comes in, makes everything much, much easier on both ends of the floor. But now I like how these younger guys know how to win. And you see in the season right now where uh, we have a lot of injuries right now. Uh, guys are in and out of the lineup as well. And guys kind of fill new roles, uh, play more minutes. And that just, you learn from that, from that playoff run that you have to kind of adapt to all these new situations. And you, you got to find ways to win. And I feel Kawhi, again, brought us our title, uh, made us more of a legitimate contender, but again, helped our young guys. So that's why he's number two for me right now. Yeah, number two is Kawhi Leonard as well. Um, I was just talking about longevity, and I this, this pick just goes uh, completely against it. But guess what? He got us the chip, like Pinello said. I don't think I've ever seen a playoff run as impressive as Kawhi Leonard's. And... I've watched a lot of playoff basketball in my career, in my lifetime, and uh, the one thing that I'll never forget, 2014, Kawhi Leonard steps on the floor, LeBron James looks back and looks terrified, and from that day on, I knew that that guy was going to be an absolute star, and what did he do in that series? He shut him down, and he won finals MVP at 22 years old. Now, a lot of people hated this trade. I know a guy that hated this trade. Um, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, I know a guy that hated this trade. Um, again, you got to look at it from the standpoint of Messiah Jury. He took a big risk here because the year before that, Kawhi played, what, 12 games with the Spurs? And he's just like, you know what? This guy's going to come to this team. We're going to manage him to perfection. And that's exactly what they did. They did the load management. Now it's becoming more of a theme in the NBA. And... What he did in that Milwaukee series against Giannis was something I will never see again. He averaged 30 points per game. And then while guarding Giannis, guess how much Giannis averaged when Kawhi was on him? 12 points per game. By the way, he's the reigning MVP, Giannis. And um, I remember, uh, was it game four or game three? It was in Toronto, went to double overtime. And then Giannis fouled out. That was just something that, you know, Kawhi just proved his dominance last year. One year with the Raps, number two on the list. He's that damn good. Give this guy a statue. Number two. <laughs> number two for number two. There it is. Alrighty. Now we got number one, Kyle Lowry. You guys know how much I love him. Uh, the only NBA player that I will classify as a grinder. He will do anything to help the team. He's a team-oriented guy. Um Similar to what I said about DeRozan, this is a guy that will die here. He, you know, he's seen over the years, um, you know, talented players come and go after every year. Lou Will, sixth man of the year, and then he leaves after <laughs> one year, and then all oh, we got to pick up the pieces from where he's been. Lowry and DeRozan, they've been here through those times to, to pick up the pieces when, you know, when it wasn't all that great here. But, you know, Kyle Lowry, this is his eighth year with the Raptors. Uh, he's been an all-star a few times. Um, he's never really had the team to take him all the way, but we saw this year with Kawhi maybe playing as the second or third option and that he can get it done and he can deliver in the playoffs, and he proved that this year. Um, 
yeah, there's really not much to say. I know you guys are going to carry this on a little bit more, but Kyle Lowry for me was an easy choice for number one. Easy choice for me at number one was Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> because when you're looking back at the decade, uh, there's only one championship that Toronto won, and there's only one finals MVP. That was Kawhi Leonard. Uh, all the points he averaged, a reverse sweep with Milwaukee. Just every his whole play from the start of when he played for the Raptors, how they managed him out, and he finally hit his stride near the end of it. On the playoffs, you just have to see, like, where this team was 20 years before, just when we were little kids, what we had to deal with, all those Mickey Mouse management moves at the Like, what were they doing? <laughs> Trade Vince Carter for some randoms. Didn't work out. Chris Bosh, they let walk. They didn't do anything. We finally have a GM that got Kawhi Leonard and put the pieces around him. Kawhi Leonard was a big part of this team, even mentality-wise. Saw the hole they were in before. As soon as you saw Cleveland, they would shake. Kawhi Leonard's an up-build that way. He makes other teams shake, and uh, that's why he's my player of the decade for the Raptors. Again, you can go in many different directions with this list, but for me, it's Kyle Lowry at number one. Uh, I, I have a thing for point guards. I, you know, Lowry, he's just one of my favorite players right now and of all time for the Raptors, definitely. Um, I just kind of go back to his start where he had a tough, tough start with the Raptors. Uh, he wasn't really buying into the system, you know, maybe some attitude problems, wasn't really getting, uh, having a good relationship with the team in general. Uh, and then things clicked after. Builds chemistry with DeMar DeRozan, puts the Raptors on the map, uh, starting with that first playoff run. I just remember he took the last shot, again, going back to the Brooklyn series, he yeah. took the last shot, got blocked. What are you going to do? You have KG, Paul Paul Pierce, that Brooklyn Nets team, Joel Johnson. Um, again, Darren Williams. Darren Williams as well. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting someone. Uh, and he's he's looking up, and Demar Derozan's there, kind of you know just saying, "Don't worry about it. We'll get we'll get back there, right?" And again, they made they kept making the playoffs. And again, at the same time, Kyle Lowry's just getting better. I say it all the time. Uh, going back to the same person who disliked the Kawhi trade, uh, he's not a big believer in Kyle Lowry as well. But again. Uh, just that ball movement. It just goes through Lowry all the time. Um, and again, that three-point shooting, just the space out the floor, it just makes everything so much easier. Uh, Kyle makes uh, great teams even better. The one from last year was great with Kawhi, but without Lowry, that title just doesn't happen. Uh, going back to what Pinel said about the grinder, uh, who stands when seven-footers come driving to the net, who stands right there? It is Lowry every single time. I don't know how this guy takes charges. It is amazing. I love his defense. Um, and again, just kind of going back with the loyalty, uh, just when you re-sign with the Raptors, that first big deal with the Raptors, again, not a lot of free agents considered the Raptors at that time. Not to mention the our big players left before that. So again, it kind of just made the Raptors a little bit more serious. Um and again, I, I hope he stays with the Raptors a little bit longer. I want to see him, you know, at least help the young guys a little bit more. And we'll see what he can do this year. I think he's an all-star this year as well. He's already a five-time all-star. Um, and that's why he's number one for me. Yeah. Number one is Kyle Lowry. You guys all remember, you know, the shot 2013 when he, you know, he's on the ground and he's basically crying and DeMar DeRozan's like, yeah, don't worry, man, we're going to get it. 
ever since Kyle Lowry came to the Raptors, they've averaged more than 44 wins every year. And that's saying something for Kyle Lowry. And of course, game six last year in the finals, who started the game red hot? Not Kawhi Leonard, not Fred Van Fleet. Kyle Lowry had the first 12 points for the Raps in game six last year, watching it at this guy's house. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember there were times when Kyle Lowry would go ice cold. But what he would do when, when he was ice cold uh, offensively, he would turn it around defensively and he would get those charges and he'd get those blocks. And man, this guy takes beatings on the court. And like you said, seven foot guys would run in. This guy would just stand right in the paint, would just flat feet, take the bump. And that's it. That's it. That's the charge. Raps ball. He plays. He's probably one of the smartest point guards I've ever seen play. Like when I think of smart point guards, I think of Chris Paul. I think of Kyle Lowry. I think of uh, Ricky Rubio. I think of guys, you know, they're floor generals. But defensively, they're also outstanding. And Kyle Lowry, again, this guy gets traded to the Raptors. We really didn't know who he was at the time. I didn't know who he was. Um, you trade the first round pick who became Steven Adams, which is pretty monumental if you think about it. But again, we didn't need him. <laughs> we got Kyle Lowry, um, heart and soul of this team. Uh, he's been the heart and soul. A lot of people are saying, you know, DeMar DeRozan has been the heart and soul. You could easily argue that it's been Kyle Lowry. And um Again, like I said, I'm going to go back when I'm 35 years old. I'm going to look back on these times. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are the two guys that I'm going to – it's like, oh, that's freaking frack. That's Batman and Robin for the raps. It's DeMar DeRozan. It's Kyle Lowry. Kawhi gave us the chip, but Kyle Lowry has been that guy through thick and thin. He will be here. And until uh, when the, when the day comes, because I know it's going to come, when he gets traded, it's going to be a sad day for all of us. But for now – Let's enjoy his excellent play. He may be an all-star again this year. And uh, has there been has there been any other Raptor that's been more than a five-time all-star? Vince Carter? I, or no? I don't think so. I don't think Vince was a... Uh, or no, he gave up his spot yeah, for MJ, spot. so that took out the streak. What a nice guy. Yeah. So Kyle Lowry may go down as having the most all-star nods for Raptors. So that's another reason why he should go number one. But this guy has Kawhi. We had Kyle Lowry. He's not wrong though. You, you could argue. Bring it. a chip. That's at the end of the day, that's the most important thing, right? Change of so. mentality of the playoffs too, because uh, before he came, they were accepting mediocrity. First round exit, <laughs> it's okay. We'll go. We'll try next week with Masai. Uh, we'll make a trade here or there. Bring in uh, who's that guy they had on a uh, small forward? That was uh, damn. I forgot his name. Now it's like a blast from the past. Traded to Brooklyn after. The Carroll. Yeah, Damari. Damari. Yeah. Remember that big acquisition in the <laughs> season, fifteen million dollars. Good times. Accepting mediocrity with him. He was supposed to stop LeBron. Didn't oh, work. God. So we went out, got the guy that could get us a chip, and that was Kawhi. Yeah. It was, it, it, that was a tough list. I mean, I, I didn't even have Serge Ibaka in it. Yeah. Um, again, I went with longevity and chips. I kind of mixed it in, but. Yeah. I had to put JV in there. Serge Easley could have been in my list as well. Just there's so many Raptors, so many players that played for so long about the Raptors. It's I don't know, people. It's underrated. It, there's actually so many people you could choose from. Nobody nobody really knows that, right? Even though this team's only been here, you know, since '95, right? It's so many players to choose from. The thing the thing that that actually like makes this list even harder. Again, I was talking about culture. And there's not a lot of guys that, you know, they come to a team and, again, like you said with Kyle Lowry, he came to the team, he didn't click at first. 
And there have been a lot of guys that we've seen over the years. They haven't clicked. Amari Carroll, Terrence Ross got drafted eighth overall. Like these guys, some of them just they just don't click. But the culture in Toronto, like, yeah, okay, you have OVO, you have Drake, big part of Toronto. Um, Serge Ibaka now is doing a lot more commercials. You know, he's becoming more of a spokesperson for Toronto, which is amazing. He's an, That's another reason why he could have been on the list. You know, he's just so important to Toronto as a city. Um, Kyle Lowry as well. You know, you looked at the relationship he had with Kawhi. Based on that one year, That's that just shows how nice of a guy Kyle Lowry is. You know, he's a teammate that you want to have on your team. And just it's amazing to see how much this team has evolved. A lot of people say Vince Carter started it all with, you know, the amazing dunks, the amazing play. But the culture has only gotten better as the years have gone on. DeMar DeRozan, Kawhi Leonard, all those guys, you know, they've adapted to the culture. And we went from, um, oh, you want to play basketball in Toronto? Really? Canada? You want to play basketball in Canada? To now people are actually saying, yeah, you know, this is a great team to play for. Paul George was even considering it at one point. And, uh... Who knows? Maybe Giannis, fingers crossed. Maybe let's see what Masai can do. But uh, yeah, let's move on to hockey. We'll talk about the World Juniors quickly. Uh, we all know that this one's kind of up for grabs this year. The States are great. Russia's great. <laughs> Germany. <laughs> Germany's got some players. <laughs> I know. it's uh, Times are changing. Uh, Switzerland as well. They've gotten better every single season. Unfortunately, they got eliminated earlier yeah. today by Russia. But um Let's just quickly talk about Team Canada. We all know that they have a couple great players. Uh, we saw Lafreniere got injured. Scary injury. Came back today. He had two points, which is great. Out of all the guys on Team Canada, guys, who's the guy that's really stood out for you? I'm going to go with that truck on defense that recently got traded. Oh. Yeah, your boy. Okay. I don't know. Um, can you see a guy that's 6'7", 240 pounds, and you kind of assume right away that he's a uh, – like a stay-at-home defenseman, he's going to muck it up. He's a very mobile skater. <laughs> like, he can move up the ice, he can push the play. He does a lot of things out there. So, uh, yeah, there's my option, Ball. Yeah, he's he's a he's a beast, Kevin. Ball's <laughs> a beast. Um, for me, it's Nolan Foote. I think this guy's been absolutely tremendous. You look at grit, you look at offensive ability, and obviously Tampa Bay has him because <laughs> Tampa Bay. Uh, so... Uh, I like that first line. Lafreniere was on it. Barrett Hayden, he's the captain. You know, he went fifth overall position draft. A lot of people didn't like. <laughs> a lot of people didn't like the move. Barrett Hayden getting going fifth overall. But the more I watch him, ooh, he looks pretty good. So, what are your guys' thoughts on? Uh, I want to pass to Chiselli. For me, uh, Hofer in in that. I I don't know. I wasn't a big believer in Nico Dawes in the beginning. Just didn't look comfortable in net for me and I feel like in these tournaments goaltending goes a long way you know we we've seen in the past world juniors you know Carey Price Justin Pogge <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve Mason guys like that um, Carter Hart most recently uh, goaltending just goes a long way kind of calms your team down you know you need that save in the beginning if it's a breakaway save and you you make that big save just the momentum is just goes right back to you right I just felt Nico Dodges didn't make those key saves for me, and now I see we're getting that now, and I just want to see uh, how we fare now in the semifinals and finals with, be- I think, better goaltending now. So, yeah. I'm going to go Lafreniere. Uh, he played a big part in that uh, game against the United States. That, to me, was him showcasing that he can actually be a 
primary offensive player for whatever team he ends up going to in the draft. Detroit. Be, yeah, depending on <laughs> Detroit or whoever slides down. Hopefully not Edmonton. But uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he proved himself, I thought, against a tough competition like that, against some great uh, adversity there. So he surprised me and when he went down and came back. And today, again, he really got two points coming off an injury. Shows that, okay. This guy's for real. I think uh, looking forward to seeing what he does now against some tough competition in the later rounds. They also plugged him in on the first line right away. That just shows. And by the way, he's not even drafted yet. He's one of the youngest players on the team. The youngest player being Quinton Byfield, the other guy that's going to get drafted. We haven't seen a lot of him this tournament. Um, the coach puts him on the fourth line right now with um, – I'm pretty sure there's guys like Joe Valeno there, but I know Joe Valeno – He's not there to really score. I know he's a guy like he he has grit. He's the leader. He's the assistant captain. Um, I, I quickly just want to talk about the defense. Bernard Docker's looking amazing. Uh, Ty Smith. I'm a big fan of Ty Smith. He's a New Jersey Devils prospect. Um, there's not a lot of guys on this team right now that are struggling, and it says a lot for Team Canada. We came out. We started the tournament six four. Okay, Dawes. I don't know. Um, he looked kind of iffy. Kind of, he kind of reminded me of Zach Vukale and Eric Comrie. When we won that year, our goaltending was not good at all. Um, we obviously had, you know, the Dore Me line. We had, uh, you know, Duclair, Reinhardt, and Domi. That tournament, they were absolutely monumental. Obviously, McDavid's going to do damage too when he's in that tournament. But you know, I'm just looking at this team right now, and um, when they lost six nothing to Russia, I really was concerned, but. You know, they, they got right back up on their feet. Lafrenia getting injured again. That was a scare. Joe Valeno trying to step up in that game, you know, trying to be a leader. He got suspended. You know, it happens. But man, oh, man, the one guy that no one has really talked about, it's it's Barrett Hayton. Like, no one, no one knows. Okay, when he got drafted, I laughed. I'm not going to lie. I laughed because there were better guys available. Everyone's like, okay, who's Barrett Hayden? This guy, he's still an unknown. He was on Sault Ste. Marie. He had a great year. Who knows? That's what all the analysts were saying when he got drafted. As soon as he got drafted, he goes, he gets sent down. He just kept getting better and better and better and better. And it's, he's just like a guy, like um, the guy on uh, Kraftsov on on the Rangers. Like you know, I laughed when he got drafted, but the more that I see him, he's proven me wrong. So Barrett Hayden, not only being the captain of Team Canada, still no one really. It's all about Lafreniere this tournament. No one talks about the captain Barrett Hayden. He's probably been one of the best players in the tournament. Um, I think he makes. Uh, I think he makes. Uh, did he? Didn't he already make Arizona? Isn't he already on the yeah, team? He has yeah, some he's, games. He's good yeah. this year. So he, yeah, like this guy might. He's their number one center. I, I, I love Nick Schmaltz, but the way that I'm seeing Barrett Hayden, like his trajectory, he just keeps getting better and better. He's kind of looking like a Dubois to me. Like he has that type of game. He's going to be a superstar. But is there any other teams you guys are worried about? I know the States are great. I know Russia's obviously they kicked our ass 6-0. Um, Finland is another team. You never know with them. Um, they face the States. Actually, they're facing them right now. Uh, who's the one guy on the States? Because I know like before the tournament started, a lot of people, especially guys like Bob McKenzie, they were all saying that the States were the favorites. Who on that team are you guys worried about the most? Is it Cole Caulfield? It's a centerman. Mm. Robertson. <laughs> Defenseman. The uh, defenseman, Nick Robertson. <laughs> I got to go with Zegra, though. Just uh, remember watching that draft, like, 
first 15 picks, and six of them, six or seven of them were from that fucking college team. US, <laughs> USDB? Yeah, like the way he's just taken that team over, him and him and Robertson, they've really been impressive. So, God, I hate the States. We got to watch out for them. They got a, some hot shot forwards over there. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I don't know why. I can't really count out the Swedes. I feel we're fo- so focused on the round robin play, and we just kind of count them out already when it gets to the semifinals. Final stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I, Sandine is having an underrated tournament. I, I'm biased towards the Leafs, obviously. Uh, but, um, yeah, I just feel like they have a complete team as well. Uh, but, again, going back to USA, uh, Robertson, uh, he's a gamer. Honestly, if I'm down 4-2, who's going to get me that goal? It might be him, but Trevor Zegra, I agree. Definitely having a great tournament in terms of playmaking. Yeah, he looks really good. Yeah, Rasmus Sandine and Robertson. I think of the two you have to watch out for. Both Leaf prospects, like Giselle mentioned. I think Robertson, that goal that he scored against Canada, where they were coming back, I'm like, this guy's a he's a player. He's and a sneaky player. They got a – it's tough. I like Jeremy Bracco. Had uh, got to see him live. I, he's really good. I think he should have gotten a chance with the Leafs, but I think they're going to just trade him, go for a defenseman. So I think Robertson can easily take that role in the Marlies. To be the top guy there for a little bit, and then I think eventually we'll see him in the leaves, maybe sooner than later. Now, do you think he's uh, you think he's more important right now than uh, a guy like a Jeremy Bracco? Oh, I like Bra. I think Bracco can play on the wing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think Robertson. Oh boy, he's taking the spot. Let's stir the pot here. I think he's taking it. I think they're looking more at Robertson over Bracco, just because when you look at the Leafs and you see Marner and Nylander. And- Janssen and Kapanen and Bracco just kind of meshes in with them and Robertson brings that uh that other element that all those other guys have no idea about so I think uh, <laughs> Robertson will be on this team sooner than later like Alino said yeah. yeah so is it has it gone to that point now where we're not we're not surprised if he gets the call up it's like okay we're ready for Robertson yeah because Bra- we've been talking about Bracco getting called up for like a year and a half and they haven't done it at all you think they just um they just see what he's doing in the AHL, and they're like, we don't want to fuck with him. Yeah, but it gets to a point where how many years are you going to do that? This the this would be year. what this yeah. would be what the third year he's been yeah. doing it in yeah. EA. Yeah, it's his third year. You know, it comes down to are, are you going to be a, a good player on on the, like both ends, right? I feel like he's really great on one end, and then on the other one, it's just uh, he just hasn't developed. I think the way the Leafs want him to, uh, the the way he's suited, he'd definitely be good on the second line to try out. But do the Leafs have any room on the first or second line? Not at all. And right? the other thing that we always have to ask is, is Dubis confident enough in trading a guy like a Janssen just to have Bracco come in the lineup? Definitely not right now. I don't think so with his defensive play. But I want to quickly talk about the Leafs. They won again. Matthews has been one of the hottest scorers since the calendar turned to December. Um what are you guys' thoughts overall on Sheldon Keefe's first couple months as the as the coach? I know that Mitch Marner's looked a lot better. Matthews' his confidence just he looks like a, the game changer that we saw. Eleven point six million dollars. Um, we all know that I don't like that contract, but it is what it is. He's the face of the franchise. Just what are your thoughts, even on a guy like a Freddie Anderson being a Vesna type goaltender? What are you guys' thoughts on the Leafs? I think they're. Uh, what a change that this team's made ever since Babcock left. I think they really they they didn't like him anymore. 
I'm just putting it generously. <laughs> like, it's like uh, something was in the room. Like, oh my god. Like, if those walls could talk, can you imagine what they'd be saying? Like, I didn't know Detroit. They tore down their old building. Maybe Babcock's uh, whole aura was still stuck in there. So they, let's just demolish it, get rid of it. But I don't know what Babcock did to this team, what he used to say, because. As soon as Keith came in, it's like a whole different lineup. Everyone's morale is different. Their mentality, the way they approach a game from the pre-game, post-game. Even the line combinations are different. He's trying things. Matthews, Marner, how many times have we've all been saying that? Why would not put your best playmaker and your best score together? It's not rocket science. For Babcock, it was. So I think coaching has a lot of stuff to do with this. No, I agree. I, I kind of agree with what you said before about the confidence right I don't know if it's just the change in coaching if it you know makes the players more motivated to perform but again if you lose you lose the room there's no going back right he definitely lost the room at at some point again like Alino said if the walls could talk it'd be a really interesting <laughs> conversation uh I kind of kind of just like how again those little lineup switches right again playing Matthews and Marner uh you know moving Lily uh, to the Tavares line, right? Um, playing with him a little bit. And I don't, the power play looks a little bit better as well, especially, I don't know, Pinel, you said it before the other day, Willie's looked awesome, yeah. right? Um, again, just, I, don't know, I guess that boost in confidence, right? And again, maybe if he can, I want to see him push Tyson Berry maybe a little bit more. Hopefully that could be a game changer later on towards the playoffs. Yeah, I think we should have brought up Barry sooner. Because the second Keith took over, Barry was, uh, for me, the one guy that immediately benefited. Well, you got you got to remember what we said about him in our top fantasy defenseman list. Oh, we had high. We did. We had him very high before the season started. As soon as Sheldon Keith comes in, you just knew. Like you guys said with the walls, they do the post interview, and this guy's like, yeah, we just went out there. It was a completely different, you know, atmosphere. We wanted to win for him in his debut. And we did it. When the player and the coach's morale is high, the success is usually there. And unfortunately, with Mike Babcock being the legend that he is, and but it's it's hard to win 800 games in the NHL. Like, make no mistake about it, he's a great NHL coach. But again, when you start getting, you know, with the whole Marner thing, you know, who do you think's the hardest working player? It's just dumb stuff, and it just he he was his worst enemy at the end of the day, Babcock and. You know what I think it was as well? The line changes, like you said. You leave Zach Hyman all year on the top line, and you play. I love Zach Hyman. He's been with this team for, what, four or five years now. You can't be playing him 21 minutes in a game seven. And you can't be you can't be putting him out there. If, he, if he's hurt, he's hurt. Don't shoot him up. You know, Matthews in game seven, I know that we were down. He played 16 minutes in game seven, whereas Hyman played 21 those five minutes are the biggest head scratcher for me the last three, four years. I'm like thinking of that. I'm like, wow, they really played Hyman five more minutes in Matthews. And the game that I just went to recently against Buffalo, that was a fun game. It was 5-3. Guess how much time Matthews played that game? 23 minutes. So, again, how about that game when they were uh, they were down against Carolina? And then, of course, you play guys like Marner Matthews in the dying minutes of the game. And what happens? We score because our greatest offensive weapons are on the ice. I feel like Babcock, he was way too old school. Him and Dubas, I feel, I don't know. I just feel like they didn't get along at all. That's just my, that's my thoughts. But 
I know there's a lot of injuries. Jake Muzzin, broken leg. Janssen's injured. Trevor Moore's injured. Pierre Angvale's injured. What is it with this team that makes them so resilient? Because they just keep winning. They keep winning. We just signed Justin Hall. I think that's a great signing. He's been our most consistent D. I said it the other day. Um, it just gets to the point of, is resiliency really, like, is that really a game changer? Because we've seen a lot of teams over the years, especially the Leafs, their resiliency has been non-existent. And now we can finally see that their backs are against the wall. They're a great team. Jake Muzzin's injured, all these injuries. And they're showing up to play. They're playing for their coach. They're playing for their teammates. They're 8-1-1 in their last 10. They've only lost four in regulation at home. So does that say something about them as players? Or does that say something about the fan base? I really have no idea, but whatever they're doing right now, the resiliency is at an all-time high, and you could just see the success is just flowing. But for me, do you guys see them finishing ahead of Boston? Because Boston just, they've hit a wall. I, I, I'm sorry, I have to talk about the Bruins hitting a wall because I absolutely hate them. I made this bet. Pasternak <laughs> hitting the wall, and he hit it hard. Do you think they're doing it on purpose? I don't I don't think so. I you have to hit a wall at some point during the season. You're gonna go through tough stretches, it's completely normal, right? But Boston has what a still a ten point lead yeah. on us. <laughs> Again, it's possible to come back. It's you know, put up put up a good stretch, right? I can see where we could overtake Boston, but uh, for me I'm gonna say we're not. I <laughs> I don't think so. It's just just because of the start that we had, right? Although, you know what? The Leafs are looking really, really nice right now. Uh, and that just goes back to our... I think it goes back to depth, honestly. I know we... Dubas built this team. Again, you, you got guys who can quickly step in, like Engvall. Stepped in from the Marlies like it's nothing, right? Uh, again, he's on the block, but I thought Timishoff is decent on the fourth line as well. Um... Again, just that development, too, guys can just quickly step in with injuries. I think we're projected, you know, in, in the right direction to overtake Boston right now in the standings. I think it will be difficult, but definitely, you know, not uh, – I, I think it. I think it's possible, but it might not happen. I think it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> because Boston, like when you look at it, it's five games that they're up. Boston's going to probably go on a slump, and Tuka Rask is a hothead. So eventually that will get into the room. They'll travel. They'll start to maybe go a one or two game losing streak. The Leafs will pick it up. I think in March we'll see a point where the Leafs are maybe three points ahead of Boston. I'm a hard no on this. I'm with Chiselli. Uh Boston's one of those teams' second half of the season. Regardless of what they're doing up until that point, they find a way to lock it down and you know, keep that playoff spot or teams like the Leafs, you know, the, they've been there the last few years, but they're still the young core. They're still trying to figure things out. We don't even know what this team is yet. We've been discussing over the last 15 minutes, but uh, yeah, I think Boston, they, they hit a wall right now, but I think they'll lock it down and they'll win the division and they'll win the presidents and we'll be like 12 points behind in second place. Well, how about we talk about Tampa because they've been red hot lately and uh, we kind of expected that they're, they won the Presidents last year. They got bounced in four. This guy called it. <laughs> I, can't, I still can't believe that happened. But Kucherov has looked miserable all season. He looks like he doesn't want to be there anymore. Um, 
I've heard actually through the grapevine that there are rumors that he may want to be out if they don't make the playoffs, which they're probably making the playoffs. Come on. Um, <laughs> Steven Stamkos is another guy where, you know, he just amazes me. You know, the obstacles that he's had to overcome with the broken leg, the blood clots, and he's still going hard. Um, how about Mikhail Sirkachev? This guy had him in his potential top 10 fantasy defenseman list, and this guy's been on fire. And um, how about Sh- Kevin Shattenkirk? A little resurgence. I know you don't like him. Come on. You don't like him. <laughs> He's a good fifth. I did like him. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, but Tampa Bay, they've won four straight. They're now right behind the Leafs. Um, if the Leafs were to face the Lightning, do you like our chances in the playoffs? Because it looks like that could happen. I, I like our chances. I feel like we're both built in the same way. But... Again, credit to Tampa for getting Shattenkirk, signing him, and it's worked out so far. I used to like him too. Same thing with Pinello. Used to like Shattenkirk a lot. Uh, he's having a great year. Um, I don't know. I just kind of go back to you know Kucherov, Stamkos. Those guys have been in the playoffs. Uh, they've had great regular seasons. Again, I think they do have one more step to take in the playoffs again. Um, but Sergachev. My boy. Uh, usually defensemen take, depending on the defenseman, it takes a little longer to develop, right? And he's still young, right? So I think this is his time to finally, you know, uh, again, take that next step along with all the others. Uh, for us, I just, I like our chances. Again, we have the, we have great forwards. Uh, I'm just waiting for that one defenseman that we could get at the trade deadline. I don't know if, if you guys think it's possible. Uh, maybe you guys can touch touch on that a little bit more. Um, again, maybe you can trade a Brackle and something. We don't have a first rounder again to trade this year. Um, but again, if you can get that extra D just as insurance, I don't know. Maybe you could get a step ahead on Tampa before the playoffs. Uh, although I think we need to get that defenseman a little bit before the deadline just to build that chemistry. Because I think in terms of you know guys like Muzzin too, you need a little bit more time to get used to the routines, get used to your teammates, right? And I feel like that can go a long way, especially against a fast team like Tampa as well. So. Uh, I'm very pissed off because I do not want to play Tampa whatsoever. We've been saying for years, oh, we, we'll be fine. We just have to avoid Boston. Boston has our number. We can take anyone. And then the one year that it looks like we're not going to get Boston, we're going to get a team on a 15-game winning streak that's right up our ass. And it's Tampa Bay. We know who they are. They do it every year. They're one of the best teams in the league for the last decade since they went to the finals. Right? Yeah, probably longer. Um, and they got well. They broke NHL records last year. They got bounced in the first round. No fucking chance. Do I want to play the Tampa Bay Lightning? This is a motivated Lightning, motivated Stamkos. Kucherov's another story in the playoffs. Maybe except that one game last year. Uh, <laughs> If I can avoid that, oh my God, I'll be so happy. But Tampa Bay, not a chance. I do not see the Leafs taking that series. Okay, well, um, I just want to quickly talk about the Winter Classic. Quickly, just talk about the incident that happened. Corey Perry, that all-star, used to be so good, and now he's a goon. Um, He just went right at Ryan Ellis, and he just hit to the head can't have any of that anymore especially in a league like this where if you touch the goalie it's goalie interference not even a little tap up oh, goalie interference doesn't count um this rivalry is heated up dallas and nashville has heated up 
But Corey Perry, I just want to talk about him quickly. We all know how great of a career he's had. You know, he won the scoring title 2010. Um, you know, when we when we were with CNGA Sports, we used to talk about one of the best pairings in the league, Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff. And it really sucks to see how much his game is tailed. And um, you know who was actually on the broadcast yesterday? Patrick Sharp. <laughs> so it's amazing to see how quickly players just go from outstanding to kind of the role player, goon type player. And I just want to quickly ask you guys, do you think it was necessary for Corey Perry to do that to a guy like a Ryan Ellis? We all know how important he is to Nashville. He's now probably going to miss a couple games. It looked like a pretty scary hit. And of course, let's just talk about that walk of shame. Just had to walk all the way to the back and then not be a part of that victory. So what were you guys' thoughts overall on Corey Perry? I think it was a waste for him because <laughs> it was so early in the game. He got ready, all that. They all skated off in the big stadium and like, what, three, four minutes in, he already gets ejected and has to skate off? Like, what a waste of a day. Like, <laughs> they just sat in the press box and ate food with the, all the other guys up there. So I think it does bad. It's a bad look on him because now the GM's going to look like, okay, what am I going to do with this guy? He clearly did not work out here, this signing that they thought would be uh, coming off that, getting bought out, and maybe you can get like 20 goals out of him and get a resurgence, but just hasn't worked out and he's making I think a little too much money for a team to even take a chance on him so I think that leaves their cap hit in a bad situation to look for at the deadline for the playoffs yeah it's kind of sad for me to see I grew up with Corey Perry the goal scorer right <laughs> uh, it's hard for me to see him in in the role he's in right but again kind of what Alino said just not necessary especially in that game way early on as well um it kind of just at least set the tone for the game. I like rivalries, so I kind of like to see a new one brewing in the NHL, right? But again, I I kind of don't like to see Corey Perry in this role. I don't know uh, what's going to happen with him for the rest of the year. What kind? If I think he's going to stay in this role, obviously. Uh, but again, I kind of I like the signing. You know, take a chance on him, right? Uh, who knows? Down the line, he could provide some goal scoring, right? But again, definitely not necessary in uh, in that game. This is just Corey Perry, old school hockey, <laughs> trying to get the boys motivated, and it backfired. But uh, I'm really not surprised with this play. We've seen over the last couple years his skating start to decline. It's nothing against him. Like it, it happens all the time, every year. NHL greats, and then one year happens, and then oh, what the fuck happened? So he's an, the guy's a legend. He's an eventual Hall of Famer. Uh, the foot speed's very unfortunate. He's going to have to adjust his role now. So, yeah. yeah, third, fourth line, rest of the year. We, yeah, we know the deal by now. I don't know if we're talking wrestling today. I don't know if we are. Maybe we are. Maybe we're not. I just want to quickly talk about the All Star Game rosters because this has been. This is one of the years I look at the, the rosters and I actually laugh because I don't know a lot. Like a lot of surprises this year. I'm just going to go through it quickly. So in the Atlantic, you have Pasternak, who's the captain, which he deserves it. You have Jack Eichel. Tyler Bertuzzi, who I love Dylan Larkin. I think he's a great player, but he did not deserve that all-star nod this year. Uh, Huberto, Matthews, Duclair, who's having a great year. Hedman, Weber, Rask, and Anderson for the Atlantic Division. Now, there's one name there that stands out, and he's not on the team, and it's Alex Barkov. Um, I know you need to have a player on every team. But would it have been this year? Would this year would have been the kind of the exception with Detroit? Because they're just flat out awful. 
Tyler Bertuzzi has like 23 points too. He's not even having a good year. Um, what are you guys' thoughts overall on the guys I just mentioned? I know Barkov's not there. Mardner's not there. Some name, big names missing. Kokinyemi. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, are you guys surprised with uh, with Duclair being uh, an All Star? Uh, just because of that one one person on every team that has to be sent. I'm not surprised. Duclair is having a good season for himself in Ottawa. You needed a a good fit, right? He wasn't really fitting in uh, previously, right? Especially um, he was with what three teams? Yeah. I thought he would kind of break out a little bit more on Arizona, but uh, Ottawa just seems like a good fit for him, right? He's scoring a little bit more now. Uh, again, Barkov, just an amazing, amazing player. Uh, arguably, you know, the best, one of the best two-way centers in the league. If not um, the best. If yeah. not the best. Yeah. Um, and again, Mitch Marner, uh, <laughs> electrifying <laughs> Uh, going down the ice, but again, uh, going down to that last man vote, I know is going to go on. Um, I hope somebody that was off, you know, definitely gets voted in. Um, I, I like though, I like how every team is represented. I think you need to do that just uh, in terms of the fans and all that, right? Um, but again, kind of disappointing not seeing some of the usual guys there though. It's a uh, shame that. <laughs> Tyler Bertuzzi, the season he's having, and then you go look at other guys like Marner, and it's puzzling. Yeah. It is. Puzzling. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at him, like, I thought that was a typo. I thought maybe it's like a list of people who could go in. I didn't know that was the actual list of guys going in. It's a shame. Nothing against him as a person. I don't know. Maybe he's a good guy. Maybe he's not. Whatever. That's not to him, but Yeah. This, if you're not playing to a level that you should have a criteria of that to go in, like if you're not actually like a, I don't know, a offensive player scoring and being entertaining, I don't know why you're there. So you know who's another guy we didn't even mention that didn't make the team? Nikita Kucherov didn't make it. Actually, he's not. He's not on the team. No, <laughs> no, he's not. It's uh, Hedman and uh, just Hedman for Tampa. So Stamkos and Kucherov got left off. <laughs> yes, they did. And uh, even Vashi got left off. They, they took Tuca over Vashi uh, this year. Okay, so as I was going to say, anything all-star related will drop controversy. I'm kind of with Chiselli. I like the one person, every team getting represented. But, yeah, every year stars are going to get left off, and you're going to look at it and be like, how? And this is one of those cases. <laughs> okay, well, let's just talk about the Metro because this is the weakest all-star team I've ever heard in my life. Kyle Palmieri for the New Jersey Devils. Matt Barzell, he deserves it. Panarin has been one of the best wingers in the league. Konechny, making it for Philly is a good story. It's unfortunate this next guy, Jake Gunsel, he made it. He's not going to be there now. He's out four to six months with a shoulder injury. John Carlson has probably put together one of the best offensive D seasons i've seen in a long time he's on the team seth jones is on the team he's actually not having that good a season actually is not good as i thought dougie hamilton made it and then of course you have Braden holpe and Jonas corpusalo made it but unfortunately he's also injured so i probably see malkin replacing gunsel because he's since he's come back he's been a freak he's been on a tear um for the goalie i really have no idea would you give it to carter hart or matt murray i'm I really don't know what instead of Corpusello. Yeah, because he's 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 injured, so I really don't know. But 
Yeah, the, 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 in the Metro, there's a lot of surprises this year. You know, Ovi, he didn't want to go. Sid, of course, he's still injured, unfortunately. Malkin was injured. Um, but, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on Konechny going over, like, a guy like Couturier, Giroux? I, I really like it. I think it's it's sending a message to the to the East. He's earned it, um, like Bertuzzi, like we are just talking <laughs> about. So, like, this is a pick that I can look at and, like, okay, he's done enough, I think. He's actually playing well, so he deserves that, I think, on a fur Philly. Like, even with New Jersey, they, like, they're having such a bad season, and you expect a guy like a, maybe a Heischer or like a Subban, you know, like, an, like a star-type player, but it's Kyle Palmieri. I love him. He, you know, he had 30 goals before, but I just don't see him representing at the All-Star game. I know you just said it's all controversial, but at the end of the day, the label is All-Star game. And uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, to me, is not an all-star. Duclair, I don't know. He's great. I don't know if he's an all-star. But, yeah, I just want to get everyone's thoughts on each team, and then we'll kind of end it there. So what's the – Just, like, what do you think? <laughs> just what do you think? Because, like, Konechny's a new name. Palmieri's a new was... name. Like, just a lot of new names here. I don't mind Konechny. He's having a – I guess last year was the breakout, but now he's just kind of adding on to that. The average NHL fan would assume Giroux because he's been in the league for I don't know how long and he's been one of the top prominent players. They showed this stat the other day. The last 10 years, he's like fourth in points or something. Low key because like no, no one really pays attention to Philly like the other teams. But I don't mind TK. He's having a year. Throw him in there. He's one of the young up-and-coming stars too. So it's not like a Paul Mary kind of. No disrespect. I'm, a, I'm actually surprised that Braden Holpe made it this year because he's not having that good a year. And uh, Samsonov has been playing a lot more than I've expected this season. So You think Ovechkin bowing out for the second or third year is going to say something about the office, about like how they've handled the All-Star game? I think Ovechkin's kind of taking the approach of like a Kawhi Leonard where he just wants to rest and he doesn't – he it, feels uh, like it's unnecessary, I when guess. It, uh, when it comes to that, turn, that little thing, though, like Ovi was the guy. Like this is the guy we can count on. He's going to come every year and he's going to put on a show like Kane did for a few years and now he's coming out and he's <laughs> – He's not. He's taking. He's bowing out. This is like the third year in a row. I think maybe now it's just the age, possibly, because he has played a lot of hockey late. Like they did. They did just go all the way, won the cup a couple years ago. That can take a lot of. That can take a toll on your body, but it really does suck. Yeah, that Ovi's not going to be there, and Crosby, and all those star-studded guys. And now we're going to get to see Kyle Palmieri. You know, <laughs> it's going to be pretty funny. But uh, for me, both of the goalies for this team are head scratchers. I'm looking at Chiselli. I, I don't. Do you want to add to that, Matt Murray? I don't know. Tristan uh, Jari. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know what? Throw in, throw anybody you want in for those goalie spots. Um, I guess for for me, Ovi, just to kind of go a little bit more on that. I guess it goes by you know priorities, right? It always represents Russia too. Like whenever, whenever the World Championships are on too, he always wants to go. Right? Again, that deep playoff run goes a long way. But I'm okay with letting John Carlson let having the Washington spotlight for this All-Star game. I think he definitely deserves it. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely a guy who's been that offensive defenseman for a number of years now. But now I think everyone who didn't know before is starting to recognize that he's he's legit in, te- in terms of those uh, top-tier offensive defensemen, right? Um, again, going back to the goalies, it could go either way. Um uh, you could throw Matt Murray in there. There's no harm in doing that, right? He's, you'll know, you know what you'll you'll get from him, right? But again, it seems like we're throwing a lot of Pittsburgh guys on this team. 
Uh, but just again with Pittsburgh Gensel, too bad. I liked uh, I like to see him in this All Star game. Uh, I just thought last year just the goal scoring went up a lot, and I wasn't surprised because once you, once you play with Crosby and all those guys, right? Forty's not out of uh, out of the realm there. So he saw with James Neal as well back in the day. Um, but this is a, a young guy just coming into the league again. He needed a couple years to develop, and now, you know, arguably he's at 30 to 40 goal scoring now going forward. Um, so too bad we won't see him, but at least now we know he made the all-star team. We know he's some guy to watch out for after this season, I guess, because now he's he's out now, three, <laughs> six months, three, six yeah, months. Yeah, he's out, he's out a while. It sucks. So, but, you know, I'm looking forward to watching him down the line. Yeah, um... Now we'll get to the West quickly. Like this team is not a surprise at all. You have McKinnon, Kane, Sagan. The only surprise, I'll leave them last. Shifley, O'Reilly, Yossi, Petrant. So this is basically St. Louis. They're hosting it. Four guys are on the team. You have Bennington, Petrangelo, O'Reilly. Um, yeah, so again, Bennington making it is necessary. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's overhyped. Oh, he did this, this. Oh, he's the next Hammond. This. Like, I've heard a lot of things. I've heard a lot of things. I've heard people say he's the next Hammond. I've heard people say he's the next Broder. It's it's very – it fluctuates, like any opinion. But Bennington and Hellebuck are the goalies. I think this is the best tandem out of any yeah. tandem. Um, Hellebuck has surprised the hell out of me, especially with Bufflin not playing this year. You know, uh, they even lose True, but they lose all their D, basically. They have Poink. They have a couple others. I know uh, Tucker Pullman's been on the team for majority of the year. A guy that's actually in the World Juniors right now, Hainola, was their leading point getter at the beginning of the year on D. So their blue line has been hurting, but Hellebuck has just – he's been that Vesna-type goaltender, so he deserves it. Um, again, you know, Tyler Sagan's always going to be here on the team. I know I know, Alino's not a big fan. Um, but for me, the guy that I really love seeing on this team is Eric Stahl. He is a surprise Minnesota Again, like this guy said before, he's not surprised because someone has to score in Minnesota and guys like Fiala and Donato, they're not doing it there. You know, they're the young guys, you know, uh, we've been saying for years, Minnesota, they're a team, they have all these old guys and you really don't know what their identity is. Are they a playoff team? Are they a, are they a bottom feeder team? You really have no idea. But this year, Eric Stahl, again, he's looking like the Stahl from two years ago, 70 points. Um, I actually remember we were at this guy's house, the trade deadline, and, uh, or not the trade deadline, the free agent frenzy. And, uh, you know, Minnesota signed Eric Stahl that three-year contract. And I said, you know what? That could be a great contract. He was awful in New York in that playoff series. Um, Again, like we were talking about with Duclair, it's all about fit. And uh, Eric Stahl's fit perfectly. Um, The one question I have for you guys, out of all the Winnipeg players, they they picked Mark Shifley. Do you guys agree with that? Or would you maybe would have had another star-studded guy like a Patrick Laine who could bring a little more attention to the all-star game yeah with OVO I would have put line in yeah for sure yeah he's more the showman yeah for this weekend why not <laughs> uh, not that Shifley's a bad pick at all right but definitely you could throw in line as well either one is fine for me Shifley is easily though the best player on yeah. that team which yeah let's not get it fucking mixed here <laughs> I mean we were saying Wheeler too at one point but um I'm, I'm really happy that they gave McKinnon the C because I for a second I thought maybe it would have been Kane, which, again, you're not opposed to that either, but McKinnon has just been, for me, he's been the best player this year. He's been better than McDavid for me, in my opinion, based on expectations. You know, we all, we know what, you know, we know we're going to get from McDavid, but the last couple years, McKinnon has kind of gone from 55 points to double that, to 100. So it's like, 
holy shit, we knew you would be good, but we didn't think you'd be one of the best in the game. I mean, I the first four years, he didn't have the resume to be the best player in the league. I'm sorry, he didn't. He was getting 50. His first year was great. Mind you, he had a playoff run. Fantastic. He had 10 in like six or seven. But this guy, to me, has been the most polarizing player in the league this year, and it's not a question. For me, he's the front runner to win the heart. Um, I'm just really happy to see he's the captain of this uh, all-star team. Yeah, just don't put him uh, one-on-one against McDavid and the fastest skater, and he should have a nice weekend. <laughs> okay, well, being so, we'll just go to the Pacific. Uh, there's actually a couple surprises here. Um, the goalies are Darcy Kemper and Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, I know you're a big Kemper fan. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, to me, is going to go down as one of the greatest goaltenders in this generation, hands down. Um I'll say 2011, 2012, I was kind of laughing. Like, I wasn't really sure. Like, yeah, he won the, the you know, the Stanley Cups. But at, at a time, his consistency was kind of off. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you know, we're going to go with Matt Murray. And uh, what he did with Vegas that year was just magnificent. You know, he went to the finals with a <laughs> with a, with a, with a friggin' expansion team. You'd, you'd never think you would see that. And he did that. And, um, of course, Mark Giordano, he's another guy that's on this team. But the thing with this team is, in this Pacific Division, guess how many D made the team? Just one. And it's Mark Giordano. He's the only guy. Um, the rest are all forwards. They have Pedersen, Logan Couture, Kopitar, Dreisaitl, Kachuk, McDavid is the captain. And, of course, the surprise for me, Jakob Silverberg with Anaheim. I probably would have given it to Getzlaff. I think that's a given. That's a layup. But I guess they went uh, They went different this year. They went with, ja- uh, with Jakob Silverberg. We all know how great Dreisaitl and McDavid are. But, man, I just want to quickly talk about Matt Kachuk because, man, this guy's actually a player. He's a gem. He's a diamond in the rough for me. He's a guy that you need on your team, man. Like, he's the guy that will go out. He'll hit. He'll deck guys. We all know how much Drew Doughty hates him. Drew Doughty did not make this team. Mark Giordano made it over him, so that's saying something. Are you guys excited for this team? You know, they only have one defenseman. And, of course, the young gunning guy, Pedersen, he made it this time around, not Brock Besser. So what are your thoughts on that? This team looks all right. I like Kachuk, though. Uh, he brings an element to Calgary that they don't really have. And uh, I think for an all-star weekend, this, you know, you can be a guy to watch. He's a, he's a showman. He likes to stir it up. So, yeah, good for Kachuk. That yeah, should be fun. Exciting. <laughs> Just uh, the interviews, he's, I doubt he's... Uh, Gonna not take the opportunity to mention Drew Doughty not being there just for laughs. He might, yeah. He, he, he probably take that opportunity. I would. <laughs> Can you see him fighting him. with Kopitar in the middle of the game? That'd Teammates? Yeah. yeah, I don't like. Oh, where, oh, I thought you were Doughty. Oh, you know, oh, he's not here. Ah. I was gonna say. So, like, out of all the guys that we haven't really said, who do you think can like possibly make it in? Because I know that I think there's four spots left, and I know Malkin to me is a. I think he's gonna go in it. Um, I don't know about like a Rantanen or a Landis Cog. I really have no idea, but do you maybe see them plugging it in at some point? Is this from like the entire league or? Yeah, because there's I, only four spots left. Can I say Kucherov or Stamkos? Because I'm still kind of on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they need one more player, but again, there's a guy like Amar Sean who might get votes over Stamkos because he's having the better year. I really don't know. Pains me to say it, I know, but yeah. damn it, he's having a great season. <laughs> I, I like to say Barkov. I don't know. I just I think he belongs in in that game. I again just a, a young guy who's just again very underrated, just kind of taking over that two way game, right? 
Uh, I think he deserves a spot in this game. He's also really good in the shootout, too. Yeah, he's one so. of the niftiest guys. In the, let's cut the shit. He's one of the fucking skilled, most <laughs> skilled guys in the league. Let's cut the shit. <laughs> like you think of McKinnon's skill and like the one-on-one things he can do. Like Barkov's right there. That's a guy I have locked for the all-star team. Who do you think is going to be like the star this weekend? Like the most media? I think it's going to be Bennington. McDavid. Yeah. Kachuk. <laughs> Kachuk? Kachuk. I, I, everyone wants to see him. He's he's that guy you want on your team just to fight, score. He gets under the opponent's skin. I like watching him play. I mean, a I couple think. a couple years ago it was John Scott. Exactly. <laughs> you throw McKinnon in there realistically because yeah. Colorado doesn't get a, a lot of the media stuff. They so don't. Every team will be there to harass him. Yeah, I just even feel like after the year, a guy like an O'Reilly too, like the year he just had, I feel like he'll... He'll get that attention as well. Ryan Suter, maybe. Do you think you see him getting on the All-Star team? Maybe a defenseman? Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. Actually, maybe not. I don't know. I don't. Maybe not. Maybe <laughs> not Suter. I know Weber made it. That's if they were a, to have one more D, it would be Suter. Yeah, in that know. division? I don't think it'd be Doty. Or are they? Cause look at Vancouver. There's not really. I'm not gonna lie there. to you. I would maybe put McCarr. <laughs> I'd, oh, yeah. I'd, I'd maybe put McCarr in there. That's. Uh, that sparked some controversy, but that's what that's what you're there for, you know. Uh, Rantanen, it's actually funny. Rantanen, Kucherov, all these guys that were dominating the scoring last year, they're not in it. It's pretty funny. Even Barkov, like Mitchie. again, Mitchie. again, Bar- Barkov, like this guy had 90 points last year, and people are still not they're not talking about him enough. Huberdo is he made the team, and Barkov did it. And to me, I was kind of like. Good for him, but I think Barkov deserves it more than Huber. Though. That's just Barkov high. played anywhere else, I think he'd be praised. Yeah. Like if he played the yeah, Arizona, Montreal. <laughs> like, if he played in any Canadian market, they'd be like pumping his tires like crazy. Now I know this is far fetched for me to say. We're gonna close this with with this segment with this statement, but you said Matt Kachuk, a lot of people want to see him. How about a guy like a Max Domi? Why don't you bring Ty? Bring time ah, Why not? Like Do something there. Yeah, he's he's a guy to watch too, and he has he has some pretty good interviews too. I know Pinello Pinello sent me a few too. We've talked about it again. Amazing interviews. Guys like that, you all, you just want to watch the whole time, right? They wear their heart on their sleeves, right? At the end of the day, they're uh, they're there for themselves. You know, with these interviews, they like to talk, right? But but they're always there for their team. They have each other's backs, right? So you want to see those guys. Yeah. Well, that's basically it for this week. Uh, episode 61 was huge. 2020 just got underway. We have Anthony Ciselli here. That's always a special uh, special event. Talked hoop a lot today. You know, Kawhi, Kyle, DeMar. This guy loves Tyler Sagan. You know, he's on, he's on the All-Star. He's on the team. And uh, stay tuned for next week's episode.